Welcome to Fuji Love. This is the show that is all about the Fujifilm X-Series and GFX cameras, but more importantly, it's about the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sadowski, and this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, whether it's news, interviews, and so much more, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And now, on with the show. Joining me this week is Raymond Hatfield. Raymond is a great YouTuber helping new photographers to the, the business or to the creative process. He is also the host of the Beginner Photographers podcast. And dare I say, he is an amazing wedding photographer as well. And I got to say, I love your wedding photography work. You have a lot of rustic weddings that I, I just adore. And uh, <laughs> uh, it, it is uh, true to form. In fact, I'm going to bust out this uh, soundbite uh, and go. We are the same, McLeod. <laughs> because you're the Highlander. I love it. <laughs> Raymond, it's good to have you on the show. Oh man, Mark, this is exciting, man. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Right on. So I brought you on for a couple reasons. Uh, one, because uh, the first videos that I saw uh, that, that were uh, graciously given to us by the ye powerful algorithm on on YouTube. Uh, it was uh, showcasing the Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo. Yes, uh, you got to use that, and one of the things that just just struck me uh, that that I was really happy to see is that you value the print for your own work as much as I do. Uh, yeah, I, it's very key to uh, your the the wedding day experience. And while we won't go like crazy detail for for non wedding photographers, uh, we will go into some detail about just giving this uh, uh, printer slash camera a, a proper review, and then we'll go into uh, your photography because it is awesome and it, it, it like like your work between. Uh, helping people with uh, your YouTube videos and uh, your wedding photography work, I think is awesome and uh, deserves to be uh, talked about too. So how does that sound like a good battle plan? Jeez, thank you, man. Yeah, as, as far as a battle plan goes, I don't <laughs> think that uh, McLeod could come up with something better himself. I love it. <laughs> right on. We'll take down uh, the, the Kurgan. We'll, we'll be able to do it together. There's... there's in photography, there are no rules. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, so the the Evo, like, mm -hmm. kind of give your overall, like, overall experience with it. Like, how how what did you find that was good, and what did you find that was bad? And then ultimately, uh, I, I wanted to share because you mentioned it in in your show, but did you? end up keeping it or did you end up giving it back? Yeah. So, um, long story short, uh, I did not keep it, but you know, the thing that, that I think is so hard about making a review for a camera is that you really have to think about who the camera is intended for. Yeah. And I think when it comes to something like the mini Instax Evo, it's not made for professionals and it kind of, feels that way though because of the uh because of the aesthetic because of the build quality because it looks like a lot of the other fuji x cameras right it's kind of a i, I hate to say retro because i feel like that's not true uh, it's very played out but we'll, we'll stick with that it, like yeah. it, there's this retro kind of feel to it this look to it and it seems to match all the fuji x cameras and the fuji x cameras that i use are professional grade so i guess in my mind i thought to myself this is probably more professional grade than just consumer grade, like the uh, Mini 9, which is obviously just an instant camera. So I got excited because I had, I shoot, uh, as you, um, you know, referenced there, 
I shoot uh, weddings, and what I like to do is that I like to bring my Instax printer, print up a few photos from the wedding, put them in like an instant uh, photo album, and give it to the couple at the end of the night so that they can, you know, enjoy some photos uh, during the honeymoon while they're waiting for all the photos to get edited. And this always yeah. brings tears, and it's I love doing it. It is so much fun. Oh my god, it, it is such a it is such a home run hit, like an easy home every run. time, every time, even though like. The image quality from these instant prints is not fantastic. The photos oftentimes can be washed out. They're very soft. Um, but there's something tangible about it. There's something, you know, that you can actually flip through and you get those images like right then. Um, it's fun. It's just a ton of fun and couples always love it. So I thought I'm going to be able to replace my, um, I think it's the SP1 instant printer uh, and be able to use this at weddings uh, yeah. to be able to print up my photos as well as use it like around the house with my family and take uh, personal instant photos as well. And there's just so many things about the camera that it just wasn't made to do what I wanted it to do. It was a, it was a, it was a fun personal camera, um, but there was no connectivity to uh, an X series camera or at least the ones that I use. Um, and at the end of the day, I just, I, I had to give it back because it, it didn't fit my needs. Yeah. I, ended up keeping it because um even though the the camera itself is on the slower side which is i mean it's no shock that it's it's not a fast camera at all yeah um nor is it made to be um the 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 digital camera part is there to just take uh some fun portraits wherever uh, wherever I'm at and, and just be able to, pr- uh, shoot it, print it done. I think that lever mechanism for printing is really good. Yeah. And it's fun. It brings the fun into something that is just kind of, um, you know, utilitarian as great. Yeah. But anything faster, I'm actually just going to use my iPhone uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to take the shot and then send it to, the the printer instead um i agree with you about the 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 lack of connectivity to the camera and i know a lot of people have been begging fuji for the uh you know updates to either the the printer or or our camera systems but i'm i I think i've said it once before on the show but I'm, i'm going to say it again there's not going to be a firmware update for the the Instax or the the new wide printers. Mm. This is this is entirely my own uh, research into it, but looking at the specs for the the new wide printer, and I love that printer too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Evo, these are only Bluetooth enabled devices and if i recall our cameras are only able to they, they have bluetooth connectivity but in order to send a file it has to be through the wi-fi bandwidth uh i don't think bluetooth is strong enough to send a photo uh using you know the the Bluetooth technology in, in, in these cameras. I, and again, it's a shame. It's a shame. It is. And it's probably indicative as to the future of what Fujifilm wants to do, because Wi-Fi has given them such really hard times um, it, because, you know, whatever protocols are happening in, in the, in various phones, it's just, causing headaches uh, across the board. Uh, I have a couple Fuji cameras that the Wi-Fi, you know, is able to, you know, the, the, the sending of the photo is just fine, but yeah, one camera in particular, every time I send the photo, it disconnects. Oh no. Um, you know, that's something that I hadn't really used much of. I always thought that Wi-Fi connectivity, it's like, come on, like I'm going to be looking through the camera. I'm going to be taking photos Wi-Fi, it's going to transfer over like a three megapixel image to my phone. Like, I don't want that. And I always thought that it was very 
gimmicky. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with the, I think it was originally with the XT1 that I had. I don't remember if the XT1 had Wi-Fi, but I remember, um, you know, not being able to uh, flip the screen around at times if I wanted to take a quick selfie, like with just with the kids, um, or if I was, uh, you know, wanting to shoot video or something. The Wi-Fi came in handy, and I thought, okay, I can see the the usefulness of this. And then, you know, I didn't really use it for a long time, but literally just um, day before yesterday, um, I had to take some podcast looking headshots of myself. So like myself, you know, laughing in front of a mic or something like that. Yeah. And so I pulled out the, uh, the XE4 and I thought, this is great. I'm just going to flip the screen up. I'll be able to see myself and take the photos. And it was a terrible experience. It was just, just far enough away with the 23 that I couldn't reach it to take a photo. And I didn't want to do like a time-lapse type thing where it just kept taking photos of myself and then I'd call through them later. So I thought, oh, we got Wi-Fi. This is going to be fantastic. And I've used the Wi-Fi on the X-Pro2. I've used the Wi-Fi on the X-T3, X-100V, X-T4 now as well. And they all work fine. Yeah. But the X-E4, nonstop, um, it was not like any sort of live view. Like I could tell that the that the live, that the Wi-Fi capabilities were much less than the other cameras. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just my copy of this camera or if it is some different Wi-Fi um, protocol or whatever it is but i'll tell you it made that experience not very fun and that's what fuji's doing with <laughs> their printers right now they're making the experience not very fun i feel agreed and and then the final nail on the coffin was when i saw some of the comments on their instagram feed saying yeah we'll look into this i'm like oh, <laughs> that's marketing speak that's uh that's 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 marketing talk for please go away. <laughs> right. Uh so unfortunate. You know, I mean they they came out the gate so strong with firmware updates and listening to customers. And I'm not saying that they're not doing that now. Yeah. Um but I think that we maybe just as Fuji prosumers and professionals have come to just expect that from other Fuji products and uh it's just, it's just not the case. And I, I don't know if there's a discount. I don't know if we're asking for too much or if they're not delivering enough. Does that question make sense? Totally. Uh, in fact, uh, I'll add to that saying, I think what you and I do is very much a minority in how the product is intended to be used as. 100%. And it's a lot of work to do that. Like, you know, yeah. to go through your camera, pick out photos, and now we send them to a phone and then send them to a printer. That's a lot, you know, especially when you're at a wedding and time is of the essence. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how many people are actually doing that, even though always huge return on investment um, and everybody loves it. Yeah. Uh, and, and as I understand it, like the mini Eva was like gangbuster for oh man right now which yes awesome yes I'm, I'm so happy for 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 them i i just wish they and i and i get that uh fuji has had a rough road with the 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 wi-fi complaints uh I, you know knowing uh I, I come from iphone photography as well and, and ha have spoken with uh, a lot of developers and, and their headaches with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and just dealing with certain cameras, APIs, do's and don'ts, and, you know, what you can get away with, what you can't get away with. Um, like, like I get it. It's, it, it's rough. And, yeah. and I just wish they owned it a little bit better saying, you know, we yeah. have great things because as we see the, the Fuji XS 10 is able to, send a print to the 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 instax wide yeah what's that about come on right <laughs> come on i mean i spent you know four times as much on a camera body and i can't send a photo to a fuji printer that's where that disconnect come from for me it just like i don't know if 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 they're waiting on changing the uh the system in which they transfer images and then they're i, I think that's what it is i think moving <sighs> forward the the new XH whatever is going to be and moving onward from there. I think that's just, I, I think they'll be able to connect 
I don't think uh, the the older models will connect. So we're just in this purgatory right now. <laughs> yeah, essentially. <sighs> I mean, I could be wrong. Tomorrow they could come out with an update just making me eat crow, to which I will be happy right? to do. <laughs> I yeah. want to be wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm still keeping mine, though. Yeah, um, it's a fun camera. It's a it it's is. a really fun camera. Um, and again, if it wasn't for, I think the obviously the reasons that I want to use it at a wedding, uh, as well as just the kind of photos that I take of my kids. Really, with my kids, I feel like, and maybe have this too. Tell me, you know, when it comes to taking photos, if you look at somebody who has like an iPhone, there's something in you that's just like I have to take a photo that's like one step better than that. Otherwise, you know. Like, how am I going to call myself a professional when somebody with an iPhone is going to take a better photo than I am? You know, maybe that's just ego or whatever. But I always have to look for like that one thing. And whether that's light or composition or moment, I'm always going to try to find that thing that's going to separate myself from just, you know, my wife (laughs) taking a photo with her iPhone. And for me, what makes those um, Instax prints interesting is not just, oh, here we are, this is just a moment in our life. It's the kids in the middle of an action. Yeah. And that means that I have to wait for the perfect moment. And capturing that moment is really important. Like that split second moment, like that's our job as photographers. And the shutter lag on the, on the Evo was just, I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, I could probably get really good at it and probably figure it out and anticipate but what is that going to do to my, you know, my skills or my timing rather working at a wedding or, you know, another, another job, I'm going to be taking photos too early. And I didn't want to risk that for just some instant prints. So I ultimately ended up selling it and buying the, um, Eve, not the Evo, the Instax 11. I don't even understand, honestly, the the naming convention of just a traditional Instax. But I, I bought just one of the traditional non-digital uh, ones. And that is, uh, unfortunately, it solves all of my problems. <laughs> and now I just, I just have to live with it, I suppose. <laughs> right on. Uh, but yeah, I, I love it. I hate it. And uh, it, like, in this case, the, 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 positives outweighed the negatives yeah i understand that it's a, it's a fun camera and i'm glad that it's selling well it makes sense yeah but i can't yeah. wait to see what version two has in store oh my god yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i um the one other this and this is a minor gripe um is their menu system on the evo yeah of course it is, it is just the pain the biggest pain in the butt where the the menu system is different than the 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 exposure compensation menu you to get the exposure compensation menu you have to press on the d-pad in in a certain in any direction to to bring that menu up but hitting the menu itself brings up another another entirely different menu and that is just what that was the hardest thing to get used to uh this might be embarrassing to share here but it took me a week <laughs> to figure out how to open up the exposure compensation menu. I legitimately thought it must be on an old firmware because I'm looking at all these YouTube reviews and they're able to adjust their exposure compensation. They're able to turn on and off the flash. And this doesn't show up for me at all. And there was not a single video on YouTube that showed somebody pressing that button and pulling up that menu. And I found it. <laughs> Honestly, my my five-year-old daughter found it. She asked if she could take a picture of me. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then she took the picture and then she handed me the camera. And it was there. And I was like, what button did you press? And then she showed me the D-pad. And I was like, how? It was really embarrassing that I that I couldn't figure that out, especially coming from Fuji, that is like known for their excellent menu systems. This is clearly not the same team working on these cameras. It wasn't the same team. No. They, they brought in a specialty team from Sony. Yeah, <laughs> that had to be it. That has to be it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 
I, I'm I'm so cool, uh, glad, and it, it's so cool to talk to somebody that that shares like the same kind of uh, co- style combination in uh, candid photography as well as uh, taking advantage of uh, your your post group of people or your couple and, and using that background to the fullest potential. No, oh, thanks. And, your wedding photography, j- just looking through the portfolio, um, I, I I love your your settings and the way you frame everybody in your photos, where you're using a lot of the environment to to frame the moment, like if it's uh, in a barn. Uh, where, where everybody is at, you're using door frames, or you're using the geometry of the the interior beams and architecture to bring emphasis on the couple. Uh, or if it's outdoors, you're using vegetation to to do the framing and uh, emphasizing the couple. Uh, or or the group of people that you're photographing and you're even using open sky to essentially do the same where you're showing a great expanse and it is surrounding the group of people and what looks like it should be taking away from the uh, from that group is actually just emphasizing emphasizing them and just bringing so much more color and vibrancy to this group. And I think that is awesome. <laughs> so I, I was a little long winded there, but I, I really <laughs> wanted to praise you for, for your work. Wow. Thank um, you, man. Thank you. It, it's hard. I think um, as a photographer, sometimes having an objective look at your work, your own work rather. And, um, I don't know. I just try to do better than I did yesterday, but to hear, you know, somebody like yourself, uh, kind of walk me through what it looks like to you. That was, uh, that was very cool. So I appreciate that. Thank you. While we're discussing, and this will allow people to, uh, view the photos, uh, while we're talking, tell the world where they could find your website or your Instagram. Sure. So, uh, my website is just rhatfieldphotography.com. Uh, just one word, obviously, r and then hatfieldphotography.com. Um, the Instagram is rhatfieldphoto. Again, all one word. I'm not very active on Instagram. I just kind of schedule everything out and then whatever happens, happens. And, uh, and that's it. But I try to put a good variety of photos in there. So, you can get a good idea of, of, of the way that I shoot in all of those places. Right on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to ask with, with, with you uh, being in the Fujifilm uh, family, what are your uh, choices of cameras and lenses for, uh, for your work? Oh man. If you would have asked me a year ago, it would have been a very simple answer. And that is, I take that back. If you would have asked me just like, what is it? Uh, so if you would have asked me just like six months ago, I would have had a very, very simple answer. And that is, uh, I started with the, the X-T1. Um, and it was fun, but it just didn't compete as far as autofocus wise to my 5D Mark III, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and I just use it kind of supplementary at a wedding. I would use it like, you know, kind of during the day and just like those getting ready photos. But anything that was pretty critical, I would I would use the Canon as well as a uh, low light performance reception time. I'd use the Canon. Yeah. Um, but then I don't remember what it was, why it was, but I purchased an X-Pro2. And I purchased that X-Pro2 in, it was right before my daughter was born. So that must have been May of 2016. And um, immediately, I said to myself, I don't know if I'm ever going to buy another camera. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. It felt so good in my hands. Um, it felt so intuitive to use, much more so than the X-T1. Um, it was a little smaller. It was a little less. Uh, it was, I guess it was more inconspicuous, so less conspicuous. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Um, so then um, I bought 
a second. And there for a long time, I was shooting with two X-Pro 2s. And it was fantastic. And then the day came where I thought to myself, you know, with the podcast and all, I thought I should be shooting more videos. So I sold one X-Pro 2, got the X-T3, and I immediately hated it. Everything about it. It just didn't feel comfortable. It didn't feel like it was a fine camera. It took fine photos, but it felt like there was no soul within that camera. And that's the weirdest thing I feel like I've ever said about an inanimate object, but it felt like there was (laughs) nothing there. Um, And I just did not like it. So within, I don't know, a few weeks, I ended up um, selling it. And then um, I thought, you know what, I really just shoot two lenses the 23 and the 50 at a wedding. I'm just going to use uh, my X70 uh, with my X Pro 2. And that's going to be it, right? I don't need a a second camera body. I'll be okay. Um, And that was okay for a while until, you know, you realize that the reception, or not the reception, but uh, ceremony rather, it is kind of nice to have, uh, you know, a long lens and a wide lens uh, for when a couple comes close to you. So, um, I needed another camera, and right then is when the X100V came out, and I thought, well, that couldn't be any more perfect, because the 23 is my most used focal length. Um, The X100V also shoots video. Um, I'm sold. So I'm very sad to say that I sold my X70 and bought the the X100V, um, and then... I for so I guess two full years, well, one COVID year. But um, since the X100V came out, I've been using that and my X Pro Two at weddings, and that was it. And then just a few weeks ago, I sold the X100V because it wasn't doing it for me for my video needs. Yep. Because um, it was it was unfortunately overheating, not in very strenuous conditions, which I thought was very upsetting but anyway it doesn't matter um so i sold that bought an xt4 i also hate it (laughs) it also feels like there's absolutely no soul however it is a brilliant photography camera and it is a brilliant video camera um i still have that original x pro 2 it is I'm holding it in my hands and I'm looking at it as if I look at my children, you know, imagining them going off to college. Um, and I don't, again, I don't think that I'll ever get rid of this camera. Um, and I love it. So a very, you know, long answer to a short question. I shoot <laughs> the uh, Fuji X-Pro2 at weddings with a uh, 23, a 50, and then I use the um, either the 55 to 200 or the 40 to, or the, is it 40? Now, what is it, the 50 to 140 um, for the ceremony, depending on yeah. if it's indoors or outdoors. And, and that's, that's it. equivalent to like the, the 70 to 200. 200 yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's my kit. That's the whole kit. And that's it. Very light, very simple. Can I give you some advice on the X-T4? 100%. Let's hear it. This will, it, it did it for me, but I'll be curious to see if it, does it for you. Um, I agree with you 100% about the, the X pro two being like just such a great feeling camera with a a lot of character, a lot of soul. Mm -hmm. And what was able to top that was when I tried the X pro three. And there is a very simple reason why it was so good. And the 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 flip screen it, it has a hidden LCD screen it has mm-hmm. that little you know the the whatever the thing is that tells you what film simulation you're using and stuff. right I could deal without that part sure but what it did like the the byproduct of hiding the the screen is that you're now able to hold your camera like a true film camera and then you can just let that thumb just take up all the real estate on the back. So your thumb is going to go like where the, where the the screen is. is? Yep. So you, you can get like this massive grip and it feels so good. And you Hmm. can do the same with the X T four by hiding the, the screen. Yeah. Flipping that around. Try holding it that way 
and it just breathes such like life into your hand and it really gives you that like that control it's a great feeling yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to give that a try because it's just you know again it, it feels like with that i mean i don't I don't. I very, very rarely shoot with the with the screen on anyway. So typically, yeah. my my view mode is just um, the uh, the sensor uh, for the uh, for the EVF. Yep. Um, but I've never even once thought to put <laughs> my thumb there. I guess you know your brain just says, "Don't put your thumb there." <laughs> like there's a screen there. Why would you do that? But right. um, I guess if the screen was covered up, I I could see doing that. But I don't know. I, I'll I'll have to give it a shot. I mean, I don't. Here's the thing about the X-T4. Again, as I said, brilliant photo camera. I didn't I didn't buy it for that though. I yeah. only bought it for for video just simply cuz I'm I'm shooting more videos uh educational videos for the podcast to help out um you know photographers just trying to learn something specific um and then create some YouTube videos. And that was the only reason why I bought it. Um So let's get to the uh, the the videos. Um yeah. Uh, what what came first? Was it the the wedding photography or was it uh, the in, like the the course photography, the, the, I, the videos on beginner photography? So I actually, uh, growing up in high school, I was a terrible learner. I could not comprehend and retain information that was uh, that I read. I just couldn't do it. Um, I found it not very interesting. And um, I had a book report that was due on that book, The Things They Carried. And I was so mad at my English teacher for assigning me this, that instead of writing a book report, I created a short video with my friends, essentially outlining exactly what it was that he wanted to know, but just in video form. Yeah. And I thought, that I'm I'm going to stick it to him. Like, screw him. He's going to take it. I'm going to do exactly what he asked for, but um, my own way. And lo and behold, he absolutely loved it. He's like, uh, because I went from failing in his class, because I wasn't doing anything that he asked me to, to not only passing, but like doing really well, because he understood that like I could get the concepts. I'm just not very good with words and putting them down on paper. Um, so he allowed me to continue to create videos all throughout high school rather than turning in essays and whatnot. And my friends loved it because that means that then they didn't have to turn in essays. So um, I was I found this like creative outlet that I absolutely loved within video. I could uh, create the idea. I could, you know, assemble the cast of characters. Uh, I could shoot it my own way. Uh, I would then edit it my own way. I would share it and then I would get all the glory. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And everybody just knew. It was like, Raymond is destined to work in Hollywood. And I was like, <laughs> that's right. I absolutely am because I love this so much. So um, I enrolled in film school. So right after high school, I went into film school for cinematography because, again, I love the image creation process. Um, went to school for cinematography and immediately realized, oh, I'm just a small cog in this giant wheel of business that is disguised as creating art, that is movie making, right? Um, now, all of a sudden, my ideas didn't really matter if it didn't fit the producer's vision or director's vision or a hundred other people could have had a different vision than me. And we're going to go in that way. And I just wasn't feeling very fulfilled creatively. Um, and at the same time that I graduated from film school, there was a writer strike and an actor strike. So nobody was working. So I had a um, buddy who uh, would shoot weddings and he invited me to shoot a wedding with him. And I did because, you know, all the technicals translated over and yeah. I absolutely fell in love because once again, I was in control of the image creation process. I didn't have to ask anybody like, well, what do you think about this? Could we try that? Like, I just did it. And, um, and what year was this? Uh, the writer strike in the, it would have been Oh seven, Oh eight. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I got into uh, wedding photography. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then. A few short years later, my wife and I moved uh, out from California to Indiana, where she's from originally, to Indianapolis. And 
I haven't looked back since. I absolutely love it. Uh, started a business here and it took off and it's fantastic. I'm still able to, you know, as I said, fulfill myself creatively through these cameras and uh, get exactly what I wanted out of or what I loved most out of creating videos. But I do still have that background and uh, I try to use it every once in a while. Right on. Yeah. And by the way, on your website, uh, how how you met your wife is is a funny story. Everybody, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will. Uh, I'll leave uh, everybody's imagination up to that one. If they want to check that out, they can. Uh, they can go to the website. <laughs> right on. Um, and so, around this time, uh, two thousand seven, what 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 was the gear that you were using? <laughs> it was a Canon Rebel XT. And I saved up, oh my gosh, so long to buy that camera. And originally, I so when I was in film school... I started with that camera too. Yeah, it's a a perfectly fine camera. It was great uh, at the time. I think that the max card size was like two gigabytes or something. It was ridiculous. It wasn't even even, uh, the the regular SD card that I had. It was one of those... uh, Compact flash cards. cards. Compact flash, yeah. Oh my gosh! No, not compact flash. There was another one. Um, It it, it was you you weren't supposed to really use it for weddings because it had a spinning drive in it. Oh, oh, hmm. Yeah, they were cheaper. (laughs) Of course, yeah. I mean, two gigs that ran you like maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that first uh, two gig card that I bought. because I remember I was so excited to get the camera. I saved up forever to get that camera, which looking back seems ridiculous. I got it and then realized, oh, I need a memory card with this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then I went back down to the camera store. And yeah, I think it was like 85 bucks, And I was just like, dang it. Okay, here you go. And then I handed it over. And uh, that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. But yeah, I started off with the, uh, with the XT. And that was fine. Um, however, at the time... The 5D Mark II had just came out, I believe, or very shortly afterwards. Um, and again, this whole time, I'm still thinking to myself, I'm sticking with video. I'm going to wait until the industry recovers and get back into this. This is what I went to school for, um, and this is this is what I'm going to do. And then it wasn't until that first wedding, really, that I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a game changer. But so yes. around that time, you were... So around two, if if memory serves me correctly, um, you know, while you were getting the 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 first Canon, Vincent Lafare mm-hmm. comes out with an amazing video done on the XT five uh, D Mark II, mm-hmm. and that blew the doors off of everybody. That yeah, overnight changed uh, cinematography. cinematography, like the entire industry. Yeah, the the ability to shoot. So uh, uh, we're all photographers here. We 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 understand this. So obviously, in filmmaking, uh, there were two predominant um, films. There was thirty five millimeter motion picture film, and then there was sixteen millimeter um, motion picture film. And the sixteen would be for like student projects or like really um, you know indie type movies. And the the dominant one was thirty five millimeter. It gave you this beautiful yeah. look. They would even shoot commercials <laughs> on thirty five millimeter film because like that was the professional look. It had this such this great aesthetic. And then digital comes along. And everybody's like, whoa, this is going to be amazing, you know, digital. But the sensors were the size of, you know, an, a, like, a, like a P. It was so small. And you just couldn't get that same look out of it. And then here comes the 5D Mark II. And all of a sudden, you know, you are able to take the same um, aesthetic as a 35 millimeter um, film stock, right? That same aesthetic, that same size, that same depth of field. Um, and be able to turn that into a digital image, and it did the exact same thing that uh, that digital photography did for for movie making. It just completely revolutionized it. And now it's crazy to think about shooting video on on film. Obviously, so yeah, it was it was amazing. Those were some pretty crazy times. Yeah, you, you always wondered like, what is next? Like, where could we go from here? Uh, recently, I was listening to a. Uh, an interview with uh, Joe McNally and he was talking about, you know, the good old days of shooting on film. And he was like, you know, in the, in the nineties, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, 
you're thinking to yourself, like, this is photography. Like, this is it. You couldn't even fathom what was to come. Like, this was as good as it got when it came to film photography. And then digital just totally flipped everything upside down. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the, the 5D Mark II did, did the exact same thing for video. Just flipped everybody's world upside down. We to the point to where we couldn't even imagine like the idea of 4K. Like what is that? And now you know what is it 5.2K or whatever? And now 8K. It's just getting it's it's getting bananas. It's getting bananas, and it's no longer a fight between Canon versus Nikon. Right. We have so many players uh, in the mix, and like it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It's a fun time to be alive. Oh, totally. And I, I, I love all the competition. It's it's just making things so much more fun and being. All right, so I got to say, you, you're, 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 let's bring this back to Fuji. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we have all these choices to, to make. And uh, many people in our profession tend to uh, choose Sony, but uh, you, you picked Fuji. And mm-hmm. what was what was that uh, impetus to go go this direction? Okay, that's a good question. I guess I've never really had to ask myself why did I choose Fuji over Sony? Um, because really, I mean, looking at my past, Sony seems like the obvious choice you know with you know starting as early as a walkman and then a a playstation and then you know playstation 3 at some point and um the vio computer i was like sony everything holy yeah right remember (laughs) those things and even i I had a a, a sony yes uh, i didn't have a cyber shot but i had the uh the the, their pda whatever that was called so uh, anyway um so yeah i guess that does it would be the the reasonable choice to make. But when it came to um, upgrading, I, I honestly wish that I could remember. I wish that I could remember what it was that brought the X-T1 into my ecosystem originally. And I'm not sure what it was. It might've been a blog post from, from Kevin Mullins. It might've been, you know, a million different things, but all that I know is that I got that X-T1. Um, I think just cause I got a good deal on it. And I had a lot of, you know, gear acquisition syndrome. And I liked the newest thing. And I liked the idea that you could shoot a wedding on something that wasn't eight pounds, you know, that you just had to carry around all day. And it was heavy and you had to have a a backpack or a, a, a fanny pack full of lenses, roller case, that you could just do it all in a relatively small kit. Um, and to tell you the truth, I think by accident, I bought the, the, the 35 millimeter 1.4 lens and I on Canon used the 51.2. And when I saw the size comparison difference between the two, I thought this has got to be a joke. Like there's no way that this can be good, (laughs) honestly. So when the XT one showed up and I had taken some photos, I thought like I knew it was, it was, it was a game changer. I thought we're not missing anything as far as image quality goes. Obviously, it was lacking on uh, some autofocus performance and whatnot, but you know, I, I just don't think I had the money to buy a Sony camera and test that out. I think I was kind of stuck uh, with all the Canon gear that I had and, and this new kind of uh, fun toy that was a, uh, a Fuji X-T1, and then I think I just kind of stuck with it, and then obviously when it came time to get the X-Pro2, again, I don't even remember what it was, but it, it just it, it looked cool. I guess I'd have to go back in my... Um, like, uh, I don't know, emails or my, my, my social feed around that time and see what it could have possibly been that made me buy the X-Pro2. Um, but I just stuck with it. And again, like I said, it just, there's a feeling there. It feels real. And I know that this sounds ridiculous, but I used to shoot um, a lot of um, 35 millimeter stills um, when I was in film school. Again, just to practice my... Um, Technical abilities, I suppose. Yeah. You know, try to train my eye, I guess. And Fuji was the only thing that ever made me look at an image and think to myself that there was something more than just ones and zeros behind it. Like it felt kind of alive. It felt kind of tangible, magical. Like I, I, I don't know what the right word would be here, but there was something there that was interesting enough for me to stick with it. And to this day, I mean, I just 
can't imagine my photography without it. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but there's nothing that I'd, I'd, I'd like. There's nothing looking at Sony cameras that I think to myself, "Ooh, I gotta have that." Um, I mean, I'm still shooting with a camera from 2016. You know, like I, I, I have I have no reason to upgrade to an X Pro Three. I have no reason to upgrade uh, to an, another camera. Okay, I'll take that back. I have thought about buying a uh, the Sony A6400, but yep. only as a video camera slash webcam, like one kind of do it all for video for uh, my workflow. Nothing photography related. But then the idea of buying other lenses, I just absolutely hate it. So that's why I stuck with the 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 XD4 for video. But when it comes to photos, there's just nothing that beats Fuji. I'm just going to stick with it until this thing falls apart in my hands, and then I'm probably still going to you know try to find another one to buy. Even though I haven't had an eye cup on this X Pro Two in like I don't know, like since a week after I bought it. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that you can do about that now unless you just want to rip apart the whole camera. But it's got some quirks. I'm losing my eye, eye, eye cups there on, on my cameras, too. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. No fun. <laughs> no fun. But they still take photos. So I just, I just deal with it. It works. <laughs> uh, just a mild inconvenience. Yes. Yeah. Especially with glasses. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, difficult. I, 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 I don't, I, it's, it's my curse. I, I, I lose them all the time. <laughs> I, I just stopped replacing them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Same. So with your, your YouTube channel, your, your photography career, do you, where, where do you see yourself going with your uh, YouTube ch- channel? I mean, right now it's very geared towards uh, helping beginner photography uh, photographers, what else do you see yourself doing uh, with the channel? Um, I think that's a good question. Well, the answer, sure. yeah, the answer is, um, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really have a plan. I think for that, really, um, as far as video, like video doesn't really do it for me. I guess in the same way that photos do today. Um, so the stuff that I'm going to be posting on YouTube and will continue to post on YouTube will be very practical how tos for certain things. Um, so right now, um, you know, as I as you said, I, I host a show called the Beginner Photography Podcast, and as you can imagine, the people who come and listen to that podcast are typically those new to photography. So they have a lot of questions as you can imagine i don't know if you can remember going back to that space in your head but like why does this work why does this not work how do i do this and having the uh, knowledge that we have now these things are just second nature so i thought i should be creating some sort of video content to be helping them uh, learn photography so that eventually they can get to the point to where they can um, capture with a camera, what it is that they see with their, with their mind's eye, you know, people get into photography because they feel like they see the world a little bit more unique than everybody else, right? They can, they can see something that maybe others don't, they have an eye for photography, but then once you get the camera in your hand and you realize how technical it is, uh, that can be very difficult and things start to fall apart. Um, so I'm just trying to help ease that transition into you know, that transition of that learning curve so that you can be able to take those photos that you see in your head uh, with your camera. So I don't know. Did, did, does that answer your question? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And I kind of went off there. I apologize. <laughs> no, not at all. You're, you're, you're bringing hope to people that really need it. And you're presenting it in a way that uh, a lot of folks don't get to see it as like, for example, you you were mentioning, uh, you know, you, you, the way you learn things, uh, and, and the way you retain knowledge, the way you express knowledge is, is much different than other people. And so you're mm-hmm. bringing this alternative way of uh, a- approaching new things, and you know, maybe this is going to be the thing that clicks for an individual. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, you know, I struggled for a long time. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something funny. Um, because I went to film school for video, when I transitioned into photography, you know, as you know, the the technicals are the same. 
But I went to like three or four years shooting weddings feeling like just the ultimate fraud. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Um, am I doing this right? Um, and that was the catalyst for me to start the podcast, was just simply to talk to other photographers, have a platform to be able to do so, and just learn what what it is that they're doing. And then quickly along the way, I realized, oh, this is not about gear. This is not about settings. This is all about emotion. And this is all about how people feel when they look at your photos and how you photograph the world. So that was the transition. That's the biggest transition that we've made in the podcast. It originally, like the first, I don't know, 10 episodes, of course, you know, you're going to go over uh, the exposure triangle, aperture ISO, shutter speed. Uh, but today we asked really nothing about gear. Um, and it's, it's more about... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh it's mostly questions about, you know, why did you take that photo? Like yeah. um why this moment as opposed to a moment later or something like that because I just really want to know how people see the world. Uh and I could really care less about the gear. But when you are new to photography, the gear and settings do really matter and I feel like the YouTube channel is going to be the place to uh help on that front for those people who learn that way. That's awesome. Yeah, and just one more time, uh, let everybody know where they could find uh, the the YouTube channel and your podcast. Yeah, so the podcast is uh, you're listening to a podcast right now. So wherever you are, <laughs> uh, you're going to be able to find uh, the Beginner Photography Podcast. And as I said, it's if you look at any of the reviews on on iTunes or whatever, most of them say like this show is not just for beginners. It really is just conversations with other photographers. I just kind of got pigeonholed into the the name. Like we got you're stuck with it at this point. Um, so that's that. And then uh, the YouTube channel is. I should probably know this off the top of my head, but you can probably just search Beginner Photography Podcast and yes. find it. I don't think that there's a, a URL or anything, but uh, uh, yeah, that's where you can kind of figure those things out. And one more time, uh, where can they find you uh, to, to see your photography work? Absolutely. It's rhatfieldphotography.com or Instagram, rhatfieldphoto. You can send me a message on Instagram. Probably not going to get it. It's probably best to just shoot me an email or uh, message me on, on Facebook through the, uh, through, the, through the podcast. Awesome. Raymond, it was awesome having you on the show. Uh, we got to have you back on, uh, later, uh, maybe after wedding season. <laughs> yes. And, uh, if there's anything new that comes down the pipeline, definitely, uh, we'll, we'll see if we all got to play with the new devices and Hey, maybe in the future, there's going to be a new printer. That's going to be, uh, the be all end all for people like us. I'm going to cross my fingers. I just hope that it's not going to force me to upgrade from my X pro two. I'm terrified of that day coming, but you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. You know what? I'm in the same boat, man. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and I hope to see you back next week. I wanted to also mention one more time that this is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And my name is Mark Sadowski. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Mostly Instagram, though. I'm at Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And you can also check out my other podcast, Xmark. It's a Fujifilm-esque kind of show, where it's more spice of life and pretty infrequent but if you want more of my voice that's the place to check it out thank you for listening and we'll see you soon